Profiles in Teaching with Technology is a podcast series created by Music First, a company dedicated to providing world-class cloud-based tools, content, and classroom management platforms to music teachers around the world. Each episode features a K-12 music educator who uses technology to enhance their teaching in innovative ways. We'll discuss the what, why, and how of their technology integration and hopefully share some teaching strategies that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Dr. Brian Powell is an assistant professor of music education and music technology, and a coordinator for the recording arts and production degree at Montclair State University. Brian teaches classes in popular music, modern band, and music technology, and directs the Montclair State Popular Music Ensemble. Brian is the Chief Program Officer for Music Will and former Director of Programs for Amp Up NYC, a partnership between Berklee College of Music and Little Kids Rock. A former New York City public school music teacher, Brian is the founding co-editor of the Journal of Popular Music Education, co-author of Popular Music Pedagogies, a practical guide for music teachers, series co-editor for Contemporary Music Making and Learning, and the editor of The Modern Band Handbook. Brian was the co-director of the 2022 NAFME All-National Honor Ensemble for Modern Band and co-director of the 2023 NAFME All-Eastern Division Honor Ensemble for Modern Band. He serves as the executive director of the Association of Popular Music Education and is the past chair of the NAFME Popular Music Education Special Research Interest Group. So happy new year, everyone. Happy 2024. Hope you had a fabulous uh, break and you're getting ready uh, for a start of a brand new year. And, and you can see the horizon, uh, the end of the school year in the in the distant uh, you know, horizon, but it's there. Uh, I am so happy to start 2024 off uh, with a fabulous uh, force in music education, Mr. Brian Powell. Brian, welcome to the podcast. Happy new year and thanks for being on. Uh, same to you, Jim. Thanks for having me. So uh, the way I start off every podcast, Brian, uh, is, and, and I think the listeners really enjoy hearing about it, is is kind of your career path, how you got interested in music education, like what, you know, what literally from the from the time you got started on, on, into like your start of your teaching career, and then up to now where you're wearing many different hats. Um, uh, and I'll let you talk about those. But uh, yeah, give us the like five, 10 minute thumbnail sketch of of your career. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll try to keep it brief, because I think like a lot of music educators, it's kind of circuitous, <laughs> the route that I took to get uh, where I'm today. So um, it, it started pretty uh, kind of simply. My dad was a music teacher. He was my high school band director. Oh, and wow. So I grew up from you know, my youngest memories uh, are me running around the band room, going to rehearsals on Tuesday nights or Thursday nights, going to band reviews, all of that sort of thing. And so uh, growing up in a musical family, I kind of was like, well, hey, I like music and I like teaching and it's led to a good life. Both of my parents are educators. And so I, you know, said to myself, great, I'm going to be uh, a band director, like a lot of music edu education majors say to themselves. Indeed. Um, I'm from California. I went to school in Southern California. 
and did my student teaching in California and then decided I was I was ready for an adventure and decided to move to New York City. So what happened when I moved to New York City was I, I found a job in teaching in a East Harlem public school. And what quickly became apparent was that my students that I were working with, and they were um, all students of color, all at or below the poverty line, and they're all really into music. And a lot of them didn't want to play trombone like I did or didn't want to do kind of the traditional things um, that I had been prepared to do as, as a music teacher. And so um, this was before Facebook, before kind of communities of practice around uh, culturally relevant pedagogies or anything like that was on my radar. And so I had this really eye opening uh, experience of, you know, these students that I'm working with are really into music. And they don't want to do a lot of the kind of traditional band, um, you know, choir orchestra experiences that I had been um, prepared to facilitate in the classroom. And so it was uh, this is the very uh, early 2000s. I'm in East Harlem Public School. And I just had a moment of like either I need to meet the students where they are and use that as a jumping off point to facilitate musical experience or I'm not going to last <laughs> as a music teacher. And so. Um, fortunately, I um, kind of figured out my way of allowing students to bring in music that was relevant to them and um, them sharing their musical traditions and us kind of doing kind of contemporary music. And so I got a, a guitar grant and we started doing a guitar based program, mostly again, because I was just trying to keep my head above water as a music educator. And then GarageBand came out in, I want to say 2003, maybe late 2004, and my school got a Mac lab. And that opened up a lot of eyes because I had um, students who weren't necessarily participating much in music, but on the times when we could get access to our computer lab uh, and we would do something at GarageBand. And GarageBand back then didn't look anything kind of like what it looks <laughs> like now. It's exactly. um, But it was still pretty cool for people who only maybe had access to to Fruity Loops or some other kind of loop-based uh, compositional DAW. And I had a lot of students who got really engaged. And so I started having these light bulb moments around, oh, when I was doing, you know, traditional Lucy Lockett lost her pocket sing-along things <laughs> for these East Harlem 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, they weren't really loving it. But when they could bring in music that was relevant to them, when we started playing stuff on guitar that they wanted to play, um, when we started doing music technology and they could do some simple beat making things and some simple lyric writing things over it, all of a sudden they were super engaged. And so what seems really obvious to me now was kind of this journey of discovery. And so um, I got really excited that my kind of outside of school, because I, I was in, I was playing in rock bands outside of school. I played in popular music ensembles in high school. I was in a ska band because I was a trombone player and all right. every, tr every trombone player in the mid nineties Mighty mighty uh, was, boss tones. <laughs> exactly. Was in a ska band. And that was um really eye-opening. That's you know, when the difference between being in band and being in a band became really clear to me. Yep. Um, and so I had this outside of school musical life, but it I had never kind of considered how do I bring my outside of school popular music life into my inside of school music teacher life. And so um some of the again epiphany moments that I had then seemed really obvious to me now that, yeah, if we empower students to engage in music that's personally meaningful to them, if you value their musical identities and empower them to have a voice in the classroom, they're going to be more involved. I mean, again, it, it seems really obvious to now as we as we speak about it and as, as folks listen to this podcast. But at the time, it was it was, you know, new frontier for me. 
And so um, I wanted to study more about that. I went back and got my doctorate. My dissertation was on popular music ensembles and schools and the opportunities and challenges and what that looks like. And um, in uh, so I started teaching in 2003. In 2014, 11 years later, uh, I joined a nonprofit uh, called Little Kids Rock at the time. We're now called Music Will. And Little Kids Rock was doing a partnership with Berkeley College of Music to increase uh, access to music education for more students by promoting what they called modern band uh, at the time. And we can, I can define that a little bit down the road. So I started working uh, for a nonprofit and working in schools, uh, supporting that work. And in 2018, an opportunity came uh, at Montclair State University, go Redhawks. Um, <laughs> and they were looking for a music ed professor to kind of focus on the other stuff they they do the kind of band choir and orchestra preparation well and i have really awesome colleagues there who are doing great work uh but they also recognize that there's need for um you know popular music preparation and music technology and songwriting and bucket drumming and, and all of those things that might prepare the next generation of music educators to be uh more prepared to enter the classroom and so they were looking for uh some folks to come in there and i follow a, a string of really uh, strong music technology educators who will be familiar uh, to your audience. VJ Manzo was there. Um, and then after VJ, uh, Adam Patrick Bell was there. And I, I knew Adam. And then when Adam left, they had this opening for someone in music ed and music technology, which is uh, a unique kind of, uh, of marriage. Uh, you know, there aren't a lot of music ed and tech jobs in, right. in the higher ed sphere. And so I started working at Montclair State in 2018 while staying on board at Little Kids Rock and helping them out do some workshops. And I both roles have kind of grown. I'm in year six at Montclair State University and I still work with um, now Music Will and uh, have a leadership role in that organization and um, am excited to be doing the work that I'm doing. And I'm passionate about it again because I walked that walk, you know, I was in the classroom and saw how technology can engage students who weren't otherwise engaged in music education and uh, just, you know, kind of was able to witness firsthand the the possibilities there, which is one of the reasons I'm really excited about music technology and, and popular music as ways to engage students who wouldn't otherwise, uh, you know, be participating in school music possibly. Yeah, that's uh, first of all, we have a lot of commonalities, uh, Brian. And first, and, and Montclair State is my alma mater, so it's 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 really really nice to know uh, that they went in that direction because I definitely came out of the traditional band, chorus, orchestra, general music model, and uh, it, yeah, it's it's fabulous. And, and I'm a low brass player and uh, played in bands as well, and and I think very very highly um of the work that little kids rock and now music will has done i'm a huge fan i used to remember seeing dave wish run around the nam show with the dr seuss hat <laughs> on you know trying to get everybody to help him out and it's it's really wonderful to have seen the organization grow and and it, it's great that you're there with some other fabulous people uh that i that I, that i've got to know over the years so I'd like to just start with, you know, what was what happened with the Little Kids Rock changing into Music Will and what's the mission and, and what is modern band? Yeah, um, absolutely. So, yeah, we were uh, as a not we're a, a 501c3 nonprofit, which for those of you um, outside the United States is just, you know, uh, uh, we're a non-government organization 
And uh, our, our mission is to transform lives by transforming music education. And so it's a focus not just on students and their musical lives, but also empowering teachers and giving teachers the tools that they need to, to have success in the classroom. We work with higher education partners who are preparing the next generation of music educators to prepare them to facilitate um, opportunities for their students to engage in in what we call modern band music education so that they're prepared when they graduate. And so um, it was founded, the organization, the nonprofit was founded by a first grade English as a second language teacher uh, named Dave Wish, your Jim referenced him earlier. And, you know, 22 years ago, he had this after school kind of guitar program that became popular and he wanted to offer it for more students in the school. And so then he offered, you know, two sections of it and then before school and after school. And uh, there were so many students who wanted to learn how to play guitar at that time that he needed to teach other teachers how to um, teach uh, guitar in the classroom. And because this was a school uh, in, in Northern California that didn't have funding for a full-time music teacher, he started training uh, non-music teachers to be able to facilitate musical experiences through mm. um, through guitar. And because he himself wasn't a, a, a music educator, wasn't trained as a music educator, you know, his, his approach to teaching music was really similar to the approach that he used to teach English as a second language, kind of like an immersion approach of, well, let's let's start with just communicating with each other and don't worry about writing and reading right away. Let's 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 work on the language of it. Let's play music that's relevant to you. And so when he started teaching guitar, you know, he just basically said, well, I don't know what songs do you want to play? And let's start there. Let's you know, he didn't know that he was supposed to start with hot cross buns or whatever we do <laughs> in the music education space. And so um, that that organization started to grow and he's like, oh, well, maybe I could have more impact. And, you know, and at the time when you're naming a nonprofit, you don't necessarily think, oh, in 20 years, this is going to be a, a, a much larger or nationwide organization. And so, you know, he's like, oh, little kids are awesome. Little kids rock. We're going to go in that direction. Yep. And so we were little kids rock for about 20 years. But as I said um, previously, there were uh, we were working with higher ed folks, working with high school students. You know, it's not just little kids and it's not just rock music. Right. It's participant preferred musics. And so we looked for a while for a name that felt like it was, you know, going to kind of fit in. And, and we ended up um, settling on music will as both the kind of um, the start of the sentence and the end of the sentence. So what's going to bring us all together? Music will what's going to allow students to feel empowered? music will or you flip it around you're like music will give students the opportunity to connect with each other music will um you know provide teachers with the tools that they need so uh we changed our name to music will just over a year ago and um we have our, our pedagogical approach that dave uh helped us develop called music as a second language basically thinking about how do we learn a second language what are the the, the skills and approaches is, that are successful there, thinking about like immersion and things like that. And then how might we do that in a music music classroom? Um, and so we promote music as a second language and we promote the ensemble experience of modern band. Modern band is an instrumentation and a repertoire, kind of like popular music education, um, rock band instruments, but also ukulele and then horns, strings, orf instrumentarium, whatever, whatever, whatever you want to bring in there. And so uh, modern band as a name has been around for about a decade and we're starting to see a lot of traction with universities um talking about uh, pre-service music teacher education programs talking about modern band NAFME having an all-national modern band for the past four years as well as a eastern division modern band some states are doing all state modern bands and so the exciting thing about modern band is that it can be um 
it, it's not the same repertoire everywhere. You know, if you're in Texas on the Texas-Mexico border, the repertoire that your modern band is going to perform is going to be different than what I would do in East Harlem. And that's going to be different than what students might do in upstate New York. And so um, it's an opportunity for students to engage in um, personally meaningful music, including songwriting and music that they create on instruments that they're they're interested in. And so at, at Music Will, my, uh, I've had a number of different roles. Um, I started there as the director of that initiative between Berklee College of Music and Little Kids Rock in New York City called Amp Up New York City. Hmm. And then I worked as the director of higher education for a number of years. And uh, now I'm the chief program officer. And so it's, um, it, it's great that I get to kind of wear a couple hats there and the work that I'm doing at Montclair State to prepare the next generation of music educators is really important in my work at Little Kids Rock as I work at Music Will. Sorry. See, I still slip up sometimes. Yeah. Um, I'm so used to calling it Little Kids Rock for all these yeah. years. But um, the work that I do at Music Will to to work with the program team to help create resources for teachers, to build community, to provide professional development, and to help fundraise so that we can donate instruments to teachers uh, where that, that funding is available. Yeah. Uh, so uh, again, um, my my heartfelt uh, you know support, and uh, I, I just think what you guys do is incredible. And now, knowing the story behind Music Will, now I now I totally get it. It was just like one of those everything came into focus. So two quick stories for you. <clears throat> the first is that in my last year of teaching in a affluent middle school in New Jersey. Um, uh, the year before a student had said to me that I reminded him of Jack Black in the movie school. of Rock. It, <laughs> So that's, that's about the time that this, this, uh, this story is from this, you know, the movie came out, the kids were like, you're just like him. I didn't know whether that was a really good compliment or a terrible, <laughs> I hope the parents don't think that, but, um, I started a, uh, a school of rock, uh, at, you know, after school, this is even before School of Rock was a thing. And we did like a battle of the bands. Um, I put it up for the PTA to fund, you know, to just give us a little bit of money so we could pay a sound person so that the the, the show sounded great. And without question, it was the kind of jewel in my career as a music educator, spending this time after school with these kids. We had six bands, five or six bands. Uh, we recorded it as a uh, we were the first school group on iTunes on the music store because some kid taught, told me about a, a brand new site called TuneCore. So I, I'm, I'm dating myself a little bit. But the um, the 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 reason I'm telling you this is this the the prize for winning the quote unquote battle of the bands was that you got to close out the spring concert. Um, like you were going to, you're the final act of the, of the finale of the spring concert where the band chorus orchestra was playing. And this band, uh, closed out the concert and it was the only standing ovation I ever received in my career at that school <laughs> where as soon as that band, as soon as we were done with our Frank to Kelly and our, our, you know, beautiful blending and, and, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know, all the work that we'd done on band, all the choir, you know, pieces, as soon as the, those kids came out, one, two, three, the, the place went nuts. The parents went crazy. And I got this gigantic standing ovation. Um, and I went, what the, why on earth would any music educator not do this? This is the coolest thing ever. It wasn't anywhere near as much stress as conducting the band, you know, trying to get them all to practice, you know, the after school program that I did, these kids could not wait um, to, to, for the school bell to ring so that they could start, uh, playing. 
and and it was just a huge thing um and i you know i think that you're probably you're probably very like-minded in that it's wonderful now that there's a an organization and some content around it and some instructional materials around it you guys have a, a method book out is that right we do, yeah. Published through Hal Leonard, um, we have method books for guitar, bass, keyboards, drums, and ukulele. And and the goal of the method books are are not to be prescriptive in repertoire, because as I said previously, we want the repertoire to be driven by students and in in conversation with their teachers. Uh, but but mostly just to kind of um, scaffold the approach of like, all right, how how do we get started? How, okay, we know some chords. Let's play some songs. We know some chords. Let's write our own songs. When do we introduce? power chords versus bar chords versus, you know, um, the pentatonic scale, whatever the case may be. Um, and so, yeah, you know, when I first started teaching popular music in East Harlem uh, over 20 years ago, I felt like you were on an island. I mean, it, it was cool, but I didn't know if other teachers were doing it. I don't I don't know if I was, quote unquote, allowed to do it. I was like, is this is this OK? Is this what I, I, I should be doing? Um, and now it's great that there's such a, a community uh, around this. There's Facebook groups, there's organizations like Little Kids Rock and, or, and Music Will and others who have been supporting this work for a while. There's Method Books and, you know, NAFME. If you go to any NAFME conference now, um, you know, ukulele, songwriting, rock band, guitar, modern band, music technology, beat making, uh, Soundtrap, Next Steps. There's so many sessions at virtually every MEA conference um, around these kind of uh, modern approaches to music education. And I mean, even 10 years ago, if I went to my local MEA conference, I feel like there was nothing yeah. that was talking about popular music or or music technology, or you had to go to a conference that had like a, a special pre-conference around technology where you would silo all, this, all the tech sessions together. And so I think it's an exciting time to be a music educator, technology is becoming more ubiquitous. Um, approaches to popular music pedagogies, plural, um, are becoming more well known. And so I think it's um, again, it's an exciting time. You don't have to kind of be on your island or or making it up as you go if if you're interested in exploring these opportunities. Yeah, and I think you know I've seen Scott Burstein present numerous times, and he's excellent at what he does. And it is. For a lot of music teachers, and for me, quite honestly, when I was doing the School of Rock thing, I had no idea um, how to teach it, what to teach, what materials. I was like, all right, kids, you know, go, go home and find some songs. It was totally the way that I rehearse my when I'm with my own band. When, you know, I used to play in a cover band for many years, uh, and and I knew that what that rehearsal dynamic was like between other adults. And I was trying to model that with the kids. But 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 for a lot of teachers who aren't exposed to that, um, they go, well, where's the curriculum? If there's no curriculum, I can't do it. So it's wonderful that those resources are out there. Uh, and, and it's, you know, even if it's just the first thing to get you started. Um, and then you guys do an incredible uh, modern band summit out in uh, Colorado every summer. Tell tell us a little bit about that because it's something I've always wanted to go to. Yeah, absolutely. the um, The modern band summit is in Fort Collins, Colorado, at Colorado State University in 2024. It's July 10th through 12th with uh, some pre conference opportunities and workshops on the 9th. And the the great thing about that conference is one every session, and I do mean every single session, is hands on participatory music making. I know we've we've all been to music conference conferences where everyone talks about music, but no one's actually making music. Right. Well, this is you know, every session has a full backline, full instruments. 
um, and it's participatory and hands-on, and the sessions are done by teachers for teachers. Uh, Music Will will work to bring in, you know, this past year we brought in Bootsy Collins, um, bass, bass player extraordinaire, and then we brought in folks from NAFME and from VH1 Save the Music and from United Sound and from Teach Rock dot oregon and from other nonprofit organizations who are also doing great work and it's just a time for us to get together recharge the battery share best practices learn about new curricular ideas um we form bands we you know we we have concerts each night where we're all playing music for each other covers and originals and it's just a really great opportunity to to get together and uh, build co- community around modern band and uh, you can find a lot more information if you you know Google Modern Band Summit or just go to musicwill.org and you can find information there. So Brian, I'm now going to 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 uh, uh, steer the conversation to a little bit more philosophical kind of thing because you, as you know, not everyone in the music ed space agrees with this movement. Um, in fact, uh, I'll, I will never forget, and I mentioned it in a previous podcast, the David A. Williams uh, op-ed in the music uh, teacher journal, what was it, 15 years ago, that said the elephant in the room, yeah. um, talking about popular music. Ed. It was one of the first articles in the National Journal where you're seeing it. And then the the following month, a very scathing rebuttal came back, and I won't na- won't name the the professor, but uh, maybe maybe they've rethought it. But I would love to get your take on on where do you think popular music and modern band fits into music education? You you've mentioned a little bit, but I'm I'm wondering because when you were the, in your role as uh, as higher ed, I'm sure you 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 had some resistance. You must have. I mean, because. You know, for for some, um, they might see this as a threat that the kids might, quote unquote, like uh, they prefer to be in modern band over, you know, over the marching band. And this is going to destroy our numbers. I, I just, you know, what what's your experience in that in that arena? Yeah, um, I uh, all all of those, um, you know, experiences are experiences that I've had and conversations that I've had. Um, you know, one, I think it's important to start off with that. That modern band, much like music technology, is an and, not an or. Exactly. Um, it's it's an addition to, it's not a replacement of. You know, I um, was in, I mean, my dad was the band director, so I don't know if I had a choice or not. But I was in, I was in marching band, I was in concert band, I was in jazz band, I was in choir, I was in chamber singers, I did the school musical. I was your typical musical kid. I, I was looking yep. for more ways to be musical. There's some research that shows that our the students in our music tech classes, the students in our modern bands, they're not uh, cannibalizing from our band, choir, and orchestra programs. The majority of those students are students who are not participating in school music otherwise. If you're a band kid and you want to play the Holst and the Granger, and that's really uh, an amazing experience for you, great. I want that for you. And the truth is that the kid who wants to play, you know, um, whatever, electric guitar because he grew up idolizing Slash and wants to be in the rock band, that student's probably not also trying to play clarinet in the in the concert band. Sometimes they are. But when we add it, it, it's like school sports is a is a useful analogy um, analogy for me. If we only have uh, football, baseball and basketball. That's going to attract the students who want to play football, baseball, and basketball. But then when you add swimming, then when you add tennis, if you add cross country, all of a sudden it starts attracting a lot more students because the student who wants to go out for cross country might not also want to be on the football team. The student who wants to play tennis might not also want to play baseball. And so the more options you have, 
the more you're going to allow students to kind of connect with something that's really in line with their interests. And so I think, you know, as we bring in popular music, sometimes, yes, music educators might take a stance of, well, if I add this thing, then they're not going to, they're going to not going to be in my low, they're not going to play low brass in my band and it's going to cannibalize my program. And, uh, you know, I have two kind of thoughts about that. One is the the data show that not really, you know, if, if you, if you're, if you like being in band, you're going to stay in band. Um, and, and when you add something new, like a modern band, it's more likely going to provide a home for students who weren't otherwise participating in school music. And then the, the kind of, I'm not wearing my music will hat. Uh, this is just Brian Powell, personal opinion. Who, who cares? Because if I, tell, <laughs> if I tell a student, oh, well, we don't want to do this because then you're going to be in that music ensemble and not my music ensemble. Then what I'm saying out loud is that it's not about you, the student, and what's in your best interest. It's about me, the the director. I need more low brass for my ensemble. And then it, the moment it stops being about what's actually in the interest of the of the student and what's going to connect with their musical journey and their musical preferences, then I have a little bit less preference for that. Um, but you know, because I think that the the goal is that more students are going to make more music for more of their life. And there's a lot of uh, data that shows that you know. You know, for our band, choir, and orchestra, uh, or especially band and orchestra, those are can be really positive um, social uh, socialization experiences, and you can have great aesthetic experiences. And then, for the vast majority of students, if they make it to their twelfth grade year and they graduate, that trombone, that clarinet, that trumpet goes under the bed. It goes in the closet. It's donated to a younger sibling because those experiences uh, for a lot of students were about the the ensemble not necessarily about lifelong music making. You know, if you were a clarinet player in high school, the data show that you're probably not a clarinet player as an adult, unless you chose to pursue it as a professional career. Uh, whereas engagement with music technology, or I mean, how many thousands of people every night pick up an acoustic guitar and play Wonderwall trying to impress their friends or, you <laughs> know, um, yeah, if we're, if we're interested in lifelong music making, engaging in the instruments in which society makes music uh, throughout their lives it is a great start in that way. And so I, I still have a trombone. I still pick it up and play occasionally. Um, I'm much more likely to play guitar, bass, drums, sing, keyboard, whatever in a, in a cover band or in a rock band or when writing original music with my own children than I am to pick up my trombone. Um, but I think the, the exciting thing again is I'm going to end with what I started with. It's not about replacing our, our, our current ensembles, um, it's about additions to it's an and not an or. And if the goal is for more students to make more music, you don't get to more students making more music by taking away things that are already working well for the students that are participating in them. And so I think what we're kind of understanding as a profession is that it's not about if we if it's about what's relevant and and positive for the students, we can we can have a, a learner led experience in any ensemble. We can em embrace culturally responsive music education in any ensemble, but a modern band or like a music tech lab or or those type of musical experiences in schools lend themselves really well to um, widening the door to music participation for students uh, who weren't previously participating. Because you can come into my modern band and you don't need to read traditional music staff notation. You don't need to have taken lessons on a, an instrument. You don't need to be able to play at least a, a 3.5 or higher level repertoire 
because I can find, you know, accommodation, adaptation, and extension for students of any level to all participate in the same experience. And so I think that's one of the great opportunities that Modern Band um, brings is that anyone can be welcome. It can be relevant for the students. It, we can empower students to have a you know, agency and autonomy in their experience there. And it can, you know, for the music educator, as you were talking about earlier, Jim, it's, it can be really fun. Yeah, you know, when my, so when my rock bands are forming, if I got a modern band that I'm working with, I'm having a good time because I'm also really interested in the Taylor Swift tour that's happening right now. I'm also excited about the new albums that are coming out right now. And so being able to have these conversations with my students and allow them to be excited parents want to come and check that out it's it's a really positive opportunity um and again it doesn't it's not in replacement of anything or it doesn't threaten the things that we have now it's just a way to get more students involved yeah uh, man they're, they're very well said brian uh, and i think that um I, i'm hoping a lot of people let that sink in i've i've got two quick comments before i get to my next question the first one is uh you and i are of a similar generation uh, i'm a little older than you but when i I'll never forget being in high school in the mid eighties and seeing, I went to my first battle of the bands. Um, and I noticed that every single one of the kids up on stage playing guitar, drums, keyboards, bass, you know, singing, they weren't in the band. And I was always like, well, where the heck did these kids come from? How come like the most talented band in my high school, there were two, one was called impact. The other one was called last tribe. I'm still good friends with many of them. Um, and impact, none of them were in band at all. And I was like, well, wh wh where the hell are these kids learning this from? And, and same with last tribe, last tribe, actually, you know, both of them got little, little record deals. We thought they were going to, you know, we were, we, we knew them when, um, and I think that there is a ton of kids that are guitarists, singers, pianists that walk around our schools that music teachers have no idea they're there. Um, they're like the invisible musicians in the school. And it's not until like, you know, think about piano, which is, you know, one of the most traditional classical instruments that every kid learns when they're little. Um, you know, those children that are or those students that are in our schools, how often do they get to play piano as part of a school ensemble? Unless they're accompanying the choir or unless they're playing in jazz band. Uh, they're not right. You know, unless a teacher actually reaches out and, and tries to broaden the tent, which is, you know, another way of saying what you've said so nicely and get more kids involved. I think it's crazy not to try to get as many kids involved in the music program. And there, it, it doesn't have to be under wind or a string instrument in, you know, a traditional wind and string instrument for them for them to be involved. So, you know, I'll, for everybody listening, think back to when you were in high school and you saw that band and you're like, since when does that kid sing? They're not in choir. I, I think that's more of the norm than the exception. And the, mm -hmm. and the other thing is about cannibalization. And this gets us into the music technology thing. Uh, there have been, there have been a lot, there's been a lot of great work by David B. Williams uh, and, uh, Rick Dammers, uh, who's at Rowan, um, about the other 80%, musicalcreativity.org. And folks like Barbara Friedman, who teaches music technology, one of my best friends, um, she's always talking about this. These kids are not that are coming into that music tech lab and making beats with Ableton are not the kids that are going to be your first chair trumpet player trying out for Allstate. Sometimes they are. 
But for the majority of Barbara's students and Will Kuhn and Ryan Van Bibber, everyone I talk to, these kids are the ones that feel like music isn't for them in uh, in terms of an offering from their school, but when it's their entire life uh, outside of school. So I think that um, I love the work you're doing. I love the fact that this movement is 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 strengthening and not weakening. Um, but it, it, the the technology part, which is what I've been working on forever and ever, has also been met with resistance. Uh, you know, from the traditional sector, COVID changed that, and uh, for for many, for everyone, had to. But now that now that we're back to quote unquote normal, I'd love to get your take because you do teach the the tech classes at music uh, at Montclair State. Um, what do you think the role of music technology is in music ed? Yeah, I think that's um, it, it's a it's an answer that continues to evolve, and there there's not just one um, one function or one meaning. You know, right. um, I think for some music educators, when they think music technology, they think you know, well, either Sibelius or Finale, not both. You got to pick one. Right. Um, and I'm going to use this kind of that's music technology, and I'm going to use that to kind of help me do the thing that I uh, already wanted to do. And I'm excited to, I think that's great. Yes. Uh, what my, my biggest focus when I teach my music tech classes for music educators, and I say this on, on, um, you know, day one of the first class is that music technology can either provide access to, to, to musical experience. It can widen the door to musical experience, or it can become a barrier to participation. And I've seen it um, both ways. Sometimes, we have music technology that's uh, an answer in search of a problem <laughs> instead of the other way around. And so I think music technology at its um, at, at, at its best, most effective state, if we think about the goals of the students as, okay, that's in a circle. And then my goals for my for this class and, and where does that Venn diagram overlap? Technology can um, connect, it can empower, it can allow us to collaborate in ways that we just wouldn't otherwise uh, be able to. It can provide access. I've had, um, you know, students with special needs and disabilities who could engage in a facilitated musical experience through the incorporation of music technology in a way that they wouldn't have otherwise been able to. Um, I've seen, as I said before, students who got engaged in school music because of music technology and their connection there. And then once they were in the building and realized like, oh, no, actually, school music's pretty cool. Um, then they found themselves into other uh, musical experiences, musical ensembles, things like that. And so I think um, for me, the role of technology, especially as it becomes more accessible, uh, more ubiquitous. I mean, our students have recording studios in their pockets at all times. They have, you know, they're walking around with a digital audio workstation or multiple in their pockets at all times. And um, that's super exciting. You know, there used to be barriers to participation. You used to, um, there are gatekeepers to access certain elements of music technology. And a lot of those things are are coming down and the excuses of like, well, music technology is just so expensive. Uh, it certainly can be. And if you <laughs> if this was a um, a vlog and you saw like, you know, right. Ableton, Ableton push and the mini moves and, you know, all of these things around my my office space, uh, you would understand my my investment in the technology. But um, I think in in education, the, the future of music education is, in my mind, 
less siloed about, well, band is here and then choirs over there and then orchestras down the hall and then general music is this other thing. And then technology is a class that you take, music tech is a class that you take separately. And then once you're not in music tech class, then your musical experiences incorporate no technology. And I think the future, especially with generative AI and creative technologies like that are are kind of blurring and and tearing down some of these silos so that so that music education is about education in music. You know, when we think say music education in a, in the, in America, we think about a, a a school building like that's music education. But in other cultures, and I, it's taken friends who aren't from America to, who who have had to kind of not lecture me, but be like, well, when I say music education, I just mean like education in music. I'm not talking about school education. And I'm like, right. oh, right. And in, <laughs> in the States, when we say music education, I think we only mean school music education. But I think the future of school music education is going to be more about how music, edu- music, education and music works in, in general life. You know, if I'm into rap if i'm into beat making if i want to explore um video game music and i want to create that outside of school there's a lot of ways for me to connect with the thing that's meaningful to me to learn to uh collaborate to produce uh and in school music oftentimes we have we have fewer opportunities there and so i think um as we continue to grow and as technology becomes more ubiquitous i feel like the future music education for those kids who want to still be in in a in an ensemble experience, that's still going to be there. And I think technology can connect us with, okay, how, how do I know my part? How do I experience my part? How do I how do I learn these things? How do I rehearse with others? You know, when I'm outside of school, the ensemble experience can be enriched through the incorporation of technology. And then you have all of the other modes and means of making uh, and engaging with music that technology can really facilitate. In a way, the 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 music educator doesn't need to be the expert. Like you know, the it being being a music educator, you wear a lot of hats simultaneously. Yeah. And if I have students who want to do beat making, and that one wants to learn guitar, and this one's trying to do you know um, compose some video game music, and this one over here is learning like coding and doing some stuff there. Well, I can't be an expert in all those things, but technology can help mediate a lot of those experiences so that students can have meaningful engagement i can still make sure students are included and facilitate and i don't have to abandon the the kind of um ensemble experience that maybe i think is is really valuable and that i want to facilitate that for my students and so i'm hoping that music will continue to expand uh, and break down silos music uh, education and uh, through the incorporation of music technology and i think that's likely where we're headed and then we need other things like pre-service music teacher preparation and, you know, um, licensing requirements and all mm-hmm. those things to catch up. Uh, very well said. That, that, that's one of the best answers I've got. That's pre- I really appreciate that, Brian. <laughs> well, that's, I felt like I was rambling a little bit there. Oh, but, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, I hope everyone, if, if you didn't catch all that, go back and listen to what Brian said again, because it's very eloquently stated. So I, I really appreciate that. I only have uh, a little bit of time left with you, Brian. Uh, so I got two quick questions for you. The first is uh, advice. Uh, what advice would you give to teachers who are thinking of doing modern band and maybe sprinkling some technology into it? Uh, what, what's what? What should they do to find out more? Um, great. Yeah. So there's um, there's a lot of resources available online. Um, you know, Music Will offers professional development uh in this and they have like full day workshops they have online trainings you can do but there's a lot of other 
organizations and resources out there. Music Bowl is not the only one. Um, my my biggest advice is just just get started somewhere. Think about what the low hanging fruit is. If you're waiting until you have the bandwidth to learn how to play guitar and then also become a songwriter and learn finally figure out how you know logic works or you've had that that push to sitting around and you're trying to that that that, that that's far down the road yep. think about like okay this coming year what's something that i can do to uh, engage here we 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 see this in elementary journal music with the um the total embracing of the ukulele i mean right. even 10 15 years ago we weren't doing ukulele in elementary general and then a lot of teachers are like oh students can play they can play music that's relevant to them they can sing at the same time uh we can do that oh okay now we can add the, either some bucket drums to that and so the the, the building of the of the rock band you don't if we think of school of rock the movie jack black and all those kids are, end up being shredder kids um Maybe that's where we'd love to go. But if you're in an elementary school and you're working with third graders or fourth graders, just say like, hey, let's 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 start with the low hanging fruit. Let's have a conversation with our students about what musical experiences they're interested in and just get started somewhere. Go to professional development, hop on YouTube. There's, you know, thousands of videos that will teach you all the things that you want to do. Buy a ukulele. I know we're uh, we're in the new year and we just missed the the <laughs> holiday rush, but um, buy a ukulele and teach yourself and find songs that you want to learn. It just, you don't have to be the expert in all of these things to get started uh, in your kind of uh, modern band music. Uh, and the same thing with music technology. You don't have to be a coder. You don't have to be able to program, you know, all of your, all of your beats in a beat sequencer, but just get started somewhere, have a conversation with your students about what they're interested in doing and use that as a jumping off point for musical experience. I love it. Absolutely love it. And I, it, it makes me, do you know, you know, Joe Abramo, right? I do. I do indeed. Yeah. So Joe Abramo at UConn has has some very talented children. And, and Julian, his older son, uh, is is one of these kids. He got a ukulele. I know this is random, but you know, I think Joe must have been one of those guys early on in the ukulele kind of craze or maybe maybe his wife, Melissa. But I remember Julian playing. I mean, this kid was playing ukulele 10, 15 years ago and posting videos on YouTube. And I, I just think the world of him. And I, I'm, I'm sure you guys all fly in the same orbit. Uh, but Julian, if you're listening, keep on playing, man. I love watching your <laughs> stuff. All right. So sorry for that, Rando. Um, no, all good. Yeah. Uh, so the last question is the magic wand. Uh, and and if you could wave a magic wand, and it doesn't have to be for music tech, it could be music ed in general, you know, and just say, boom! Now we were all, you know, here we go. What what would it what would it be? Yeah, um, I'll give two brief answers because I know we're at time. Um, for, you know, from the practical side, I've seen the benefit of um, of play alongs, ukulele play alongs, guitar play alongs, full modern band play alongs, where you can kind of find your part, you can track it with your eyes. And I think we're very close with with AI and all those things to just being able to like, hey, cool, this new song came out. I want to play along uh, for all of my instrumentation uh, using this tune. Here's the chord progression. And then it creates it, it, it tracks it. And and there, there are some things that get kind of close to that that I've seen, um, but I would love for that to become um, more ubiquitous for teachers so that if you're having a conversation with your students and they want like a, a Spanish language song, for example, that you might not be familiar with, you can find it. You can be like, hey, I want it. Here's a chord progression. It's this BPM. Um, and here's my instrumentation. And my instrumentation includes clarinets or, you know, horns or whatever. 
And then the technology is there to just immediately kind of create that because people are creating play alongs now. And I feel like we're very close. So that, that's kind of on a practical uh, level. Brilliant. Is, it's brilliant. I'm taking notes here, Brian. That's right. <laughs> uh, because that would that would be so useful for teachers and it would cut down on the the prep time. Um, and, and so, and, and again, I, I, I've seen some things at the NAM show or whatever that, um, we're, we're close to that technology, but yeah, just like create a, even if it's a four chord play along and in, in this key at that BPM and here it is, um, and I'll throw the lyrics in there and it'll match them up. I think that would be so, so helpful. And then for, um, for the, the larger music education space, I think my, my wish would be that we can, can honor the traditions that have come before us without um, without tradition becoming like peer pressure from, from, from dead white people right. um, yep. that, you know, Oh, we've got to do this because um, it's what we've always done. And so I think, you know, if, if we can uh, as a, as a collective not see ourselves as like, well, popular music is against this isn't against that or whatever, but really just kind of embracing um music in in its most full form having conversations with students about what their musical goals are for the class and use that as a jumping off point for facilitated musical experience um that is incorporating popular music and tradition and technology uh and and us embracing kind of the holistic understanding of music and what music can be i think that's where i would love to see the uh the field go but in the meantime jim if you can create that play along generator for me i would love that i've already a lot of teachers who would love it as well i'm already thinking of like a chrome plugin that would that would be available in any youtube video that would immediately spit out the chords uh while it's exactly and and we have the technology to recognize what we can do it absolutely we're so close and it's going to be such a game changer for people who teach ukulele guitar modern band instruction that whole thing so it's you make it. You can take the idea. I don't need any credit for it. Anyway, that's it's a very very cool idea. And Brian, first of all, I'm 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 thrilled to be joining you at Montclair State uh, this this spring. Uh, I'll be I'll be co I'll be teaching as part of the faculty with you, and I I can't wait to uh, to hang out with you some more. Um, you're you're a fantastic music educator. Music Will is very lucky to have you. Montclair is very lucky to have you. Uh, and and keep doing great work, man. I, I'm I'm just thrilled to know you. Uh, same here, Jim. Pleasure is all mine. And thanks again for the invitation to join you on this podcast. I appreciate it. Take care. Have a great year. You as well. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.